Hey guys, welcome to Mega Minds. And in this episode, we have Jai Howard, who has generated over $40 million in e-commerce sales using creatives alone. He's generated over 1500 video ads in the last two years. And this guy knows everything about making creatives perform for e-commerce. So if you have a business that needs to understand how creatives perform, then this is the podcast for you. We are breaking everything down. Let's jump into it. Welcome to Mega Minds, the podcast that unlocks the secrets needed to scale your business from seven figures per year to seven figures per month and beyond. On the show, we pick the brains of leading business owners, marketing geniuses, growth experts, and serial entrepreneurs, tapping into their minds to uncover the true formula for e-commerce success. The podcast is created by Megaphone, Australia's award-winning experts in digital marketing. Now enjoy the episode and don't forget to subscribe. I've got Max dialing in from LA. How are you, Max? Doing great. Great as always. And our very special guest today is Jai Howard, the founder of Brand Booster. Brand Booster is a video agency that specializes in the e-commerce field and creating creatives that convert. So Jai, rather than me try and describe your business, let's hear it in your own words. What is Brand Booster and what brought you to start it? Tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Excited to to share and to keep learning from you guys. I've been a, a bit of a fan of the podcast, so it's good to be here. Um, Brand Booster, in in essence, is a, a growth agency. Really, whilst we do content, our focus is on growing brands and facilitating that through creatives. So, um, you know, we've we've grown a team out here in Perth, West Australia, and. A couple of years ago, it was just myself at my living room table uh, with a stack of hard drives up to here. And, um, you know, that's that's fairly quickly grown to a team of 12 or 13 people in-house. And we've got a studio and uh, working with some pretty epic brands. So really getting a kick out of uh, helping them and, and doing something that we all love doing as well and being around a creative space. You truly are an expert in the field. And that's why we're thrilled to have you on the show and pick your brain about all things creative, all things growth, and all things e-commerce. So I'll throw to Max and Max can, who has worked with you in the past with Sylvie, can throw out some questions your way and you guys jump into what I think will be an absolutely golden conversation full of value for e-commerce owners and people looking to scale up their creatives. Sweet. Awesome. Yeah, so... Obviously, I'm a fan of your work. I guess first question I'd love to hear is maybe a little bit about how things have changed over the last couple of years. Like, do you feel like the ads that were working a couple of years ago are different? Do you feel like it's going to be different in the future? Yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, great question. And I'm sure you have a perspective on this as well. I know that when I started in the field prior to Brand Booster, I was um, like a freelancing creative for a number of years. I just loved the process. And then and then I got into the marketing stuff, how to run ads. And, you know, that was, that was really great. I, I sort of really aligned with that side, but it also just wasn't the bread and butter. So when we combined the two and went all in on brand boost, it was a really uh, pivotal moment for me. And back then there, there was always a need for creative, but um, maybe less of a need in, in a sense. You know, there was probably less creative agencies around. There was a lot of marketing agencies that didn't do creative and that's really shifted in the space. That's uh, a lot more people recognizing the need for it and that's due to a number of number of things but uh advertising changing and um ultimately creative being a huge lever you can pull to improve results and in terms of the styles that we've seen change i mean two years ago there was definitely longer form creatives that that crushed it and and we've had some brands that come on board and some of their winning creatives from you know 18 months ago were those 
minute plus, uh, more of a storytelling, which I think is still relevant, but in a much more condensed form. So we sort of see the sweet spot being somewhere between 15 to 25 seconds, um, super engaging. I mean, there's there's all the, the main principles you need to abide by, like great hooks, super um, fast to get into the meat of it, getting people off and into the, into the website as soon as you can as well. But uh, yeah, for the most part, we're seeing 15 to 25, but if you can condense it down even further, then, then great. Awesome. Yeah, I remember for me, like back back in the day, there was like BuzzFeed style videos. Buzzfeed, there was yeah. also super polished videos. And I feel like there's been a shift into like a bit more like organic looking. Text is a bit bolder. I don't know. There tends to be like themes that I tend to notice. But yeah, um, short and punchy, if it works, is always good. Yeah, UGC is, UGC is definitely one that's made a big appearance to user generated content. And um, I think there's actually, you, know, you might be asking a question about it soon, but um, that. It, it, that's more so even in the last year, I would say. And um, I do think that at some stage it will phase out uh, and, and go back to what it was before. But definitely now people are relating to authentic experiences and, um, you know, reviews. And the more uh, they can see real people using real products, uh, you know, it gives them more confidence to buy. So that seems to be working really well. Totally. I, I think like with everything, if it gets overdone, then consumers start to get weary of that um, yeah. messaging. And if every brand's doing it, then it's like, okay, this doesn't feel super legit. Before we get into what's on the, on the run sheet, um, what are you guys doing to stay on top of those trends? I mean, obviously you get the benefit of working with so many different businesses. Um, and I know you're very dialed into the e-commerce space, but you know, there's so many different brands trying so many different things. How do you try to keep track of it do you have some sort of tracker do you is there specific brands and uh things that you follow to, to keep on top of those trends yeah that's a that's a really good question and, and there's you know there's tools things that i know you guys have spoke about previously ad spy and obviously just just watching the facebook ad library like a hawk with with a number of brands that we see leading in their space and seeing what they're doing um and more than that i think the the kicker is just really being curious and and i'll probably touch on this a few times because I think it's a powerful thing as, as an individual, but um, genuinely just taking walls down and just consuming. Um, and, and I know there's a, a lot of people say create more than you consume, and I definitely agree with that. But the more you can consume, the more informed you are, the more data you have, the more you can make better decisions. So consuming, um, you know, every ad you go past, watching the ad, figuring out what they've done in it, replaying it, sending it. We have a group chat that we we just click, you know, heaps and heaps of ads to. Um, we're, we're listening to a lot of podcasts. We're listening to, uh, you know, jumping on things like AdWorld Conference and some other online marketing events and tools. And um, it's definitely not perfect, but the the key seems to be in just staying relevant and staying at the front of the curve and always wanting to learn and get better and not just saying, okay, now we've got something that works. Let's just stick with this for six, 12 months and then look again. Definitely. And in terms of, uh, products or things that work for video ads, do you kind of have a rough way of knowing, okay, this is something that, that will work for creatives that this, this doesn't, or does it work for every single brand or, or what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it, it definitely doesn't. Um, you can, you can find a style and, and that tends to work for a lot of products that solve a problem. So ones that maybe need a little bit of explaining um, whether it's the science behind it or how the product works. And usually you could go in and show the problem first and then then the solution and then go in with, you know, social proof and, and a good call to action. 
Um, and that could be sort of a blanket rule applied. But we've had situations in the past where, you know, we've, we've had products that, you know, you read into it too much from the start. And you're like, oh, I need to explain this and this and this. But at the end of the day, you look at the product and you know what it does. You know, you don't need to waste time explaining that. So we've, we've had a few hiccups along the way where we, we've had to figure that out. And um, so to that respect, you know, uh, I, I'd always bring back to basics. And if anything, look at what you can remove rather than what you can add. Um, and, you know, we've been working with more fashion and lifestyle brands recently, which is just an interesting observation. I think it's just coming to the Australian summer that that um, makes sense. But those ones, you know, you're, you're really minimizing text and you're really minimizing uh, and, and showing the visuals and showing the different designs and things like that. So it does change from like fashion to um, a product that solves a problem, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And so let's say a brand approaches you. Um, let's come up with an example. Selling, um, uh, let's, just, let's just go Sylvie because um, <laughs> it's, it's a pillowcase that's good for your skin. Um, it's the best pillowcase on the market for your skin. It's, it's uses the best quality uh, materials. What's your uh, process in that research phase to figure out um, what angles you might want to test? Um, yeah, I mean, we've talked about some of the tools and some of the mm. library. Do you guys have anything else that you're doing in that research phase to figure out what is going to be the most high impact ideas mm. that you can test? Mm. Yeah, a few key things that, come straight to mind is, is as much data as you can get. So if the brand has been running for a while and they have, you know, winning ads or things that have worked in the past or angles, being able to leverage that, dissect those ads, figure out, you know, what elements of those you can then use in future, um, whether it's the same concept, but shot with a different model, different location, et cetera. Um, and the second part being uh, understanding their customer and their market, because, uh, you know, most brands will be getting comments on, their ads or on their posts on Instagram or in their emails or in their DMs. And we ask brands for this because we want to know what their most common questions are. And for example, if, you know, customers or potential customers are asking about the size of their product or the color or, um, you know, how quickly they'll see results, if you can address those in the creative. Ultimately, you're going to be getting better results because people have less objections before they buy their, their questions are answered. So, um, we do, yeah, definitely diving in and just understanding the customer as well as the brand. One thing that i am been thinking about for Sylvie, and I'm keen to hear your thoughts on it, and this is kind of a nuanced question, but well, I've got you want to ask. What's your thoughts on, I guess what we're seeing is there's kind of like three core types of content. There's like the lowest cost, easy to produce UGC, uh, and you guys do UGC really nicely, but there's ways to do it cheaper or faster, spit it out faster. Then there's kind of this like problem solution, you know, production nice um type of ads and then there's this story written by like comedy writers like super slick almost like tv ad um what's your thoughts about um how to know which of those you should go down which one's going to be most impactful have you have you guys explored that super high-end thing i know that's like mm. a, a whole other idea as well how do you know which one's right for your brand as well if you're, if you're doing e-com and, and where you should start as well I have heaps of thoughts on this. And the first one being how much money do you have because it makes a big difference, right? And you can get a, a hell of a long way with UGC and the right media buying. I mean, look at brands like the Udi and um, a whole bunch in Australia in particular that uh, Elias Skin and you know a bunch of those guys who have just gone so far with, with quite authentic content. And I think there always should be an element of that, uh, even if it's amongst other things. And then the next level up and, and probably the space that we kind of sit in quite nicely is the 
more production value, more on brand, um, but still can be fairly conversion focused, you know, and, and hitting those problems and solutions and um, still relating to the customer in a sense. You can be doing unboxing experiences, things like that. And I feel that being a core for, for a lot of brands, I mean, most of the brands we work with kind of sit in that uh, they're spending somewhere between 10K a month to 500K a month. That's kind of the, the, the span for a lot of them. And so you've got a little bit higher volume there um, and you can, you can really test a bunch of different angles. And then the high production stuff is, is in my mind, a, a bit of a different ball game because, and the reason we haven't explored it yet is because it does require a lot more input, right? You're, you're probably doing even more extensive research. You're, you've got audio lighting uh, directors, you got all of the stuff, right? So you kind of need to have the budget for it and you need to know what you're doing because if you don't, you reshoot that, you make no money. If anything, you fork out to get the job done. So, um, but at the same time, if you are producing videos like that, I feel like if it's done well, it has more longevity and it seems to, you know, like there's some, um, I don't know, Scotty Potty and um, Mr. Cool and some of those big guys who've had videos and they've been able to recycle and use them for years, right? And make tens of, you know, close to hundreds of millions of dollars. So um, if done right, and if you're at that stage, I think it makes sense, right? When you're going with that big brand play and, and those scripted videos reflect your values and your, you know, your brand. I've got a question on that one, Jai. Yeah. You mentioned that those big budget productions give the video and the brand longevity. My question is, if you're at a stage with your brand where you're focusing on the performance and you're in that that growth phase, have you identified any difference in the short-term metrics with a big budget production versus a cheap budget production? So in essence, if you're not ready to promote your brand to a mass scale, is it worth doing that high budget production probably not i think there's probably other things you can put your budget towards you know when you are a growing brand you, you have other cash flow uh things in mind uh yeah there's, there's probably two parts to it. i guess the other thing is you know you want to make the most of it right so if your website still needs a bit of work or you need to get your branding dialed in or know your customers a bit better before you produce something you know that speaks directly to a certain type of person you're going to want all of those dialed in before you even even look at something more high production. I would love to hear how you think about hooks. I know there's so many different kind of ticks and tips and tricks. And um, is there something that you've been playing around with lately that's been working, or is this core principles? And yeah, what are you thinking about hooks at the moment? Mm. Yeah, and, so and should I, should just just to be clear for the audience, a hook is you know the first part of the video to to hook people into the the later part of the video. I, I forget if we've probably explain that. that sorry well, yeah. yeah yeah so uh, there's obviously best practices like you know making them as short as condensed as possible you know bright colorful uh bit of movement product in frame if possible in that first frame uh those best practices i know you guys have even spoken about uh increasing contrast and, and those sorts of things as well um and having a person like that that human element uh the i i start to think about um angles as, as being a really important part and you know once you do find an angle that does work, there's a lot of different ways to represent that same angle with different hooks technically, but still hitting the same angle. So really making the most of that. Um, there's kind of two sides in my mind. There's one is about creating curiosity. So, uh, you know, it's intrigue or you look at the product like, oh, I haven't seen that before, or it looks quite cool. Um, and on the other side, it's speaking directly to someone. So whether it's calling them out or highlighting their problem or, um, you know, they can relate to it straight away. And so that them being two different sides to it. Um, and 
I had something else I was going to say, but uh, it's lost me. I, I'd also be be looking at ways to. Oh, I've got it now. Um, and I know you've spoke about this too, Max. The the ability to show, uh, you know, to ultimately show what you're trying to portray without the need for text. So you know, uh, we've had uh, we work with a, a back shaver brand, which is always a bit of fun uh, finding hairy mentorship. Right. And uh, yeah, and and for quite a lot of their winning ads are this shot sort of of a, of a man with his with back clearly hairy, and it's just kind of punching on that, and he's scratching it with a sound effect, and then it whips across, and then he pulls out the back blade, and it says you know meet back blade or whatever it says after that. But the hook actually doesn't have um, the product necessarily, and it doesn't have text either because it, you can see it contextually, and you know you probably start to relate to it, and then you're like, well, check out this solution. So. It's so different in every occasion, but I always try to minimize, if possible, less text, less noise in the video, make it really easy to consume, essentially. Cool. And I guess in the two years and 1500 ads that you guys have created, is there any ads that have stood out? You know, do you have your squatty body ad of your library where you're like, geez, that hook just killed it? Or there's something that, um, that stands out from you, maybe unexpected or anything like that? Oh, the, yeah. And, and I'm a little bit uh, like I'm not in the weeds anymore, obviously shooting and editing. So it, I'm sure the guys would have heaps to, to pull out. But um, interestingly, when we've, we've done some reflections and, you know, on like end of the quarter, I reviewed what was your favorite project, favorite output. And one that came up a lot was um, Backblade came up a little bit, I think, because it's more engaging and, and fun to shoot and uh, intolerance test so food intolerance test so um and i think the challenge there was there was no physical product for them typically you know brands will send us their product we organize models locations we'll shoot edit and do the copy um in this case we had to show this thing without having the thing right so um it was a bit more of the process you know cut a bit of your hair off chuck in a in an envelope send it off and we'll send you results within three days um, but interestingly, that came up quite a lot. And the other one that comes to mind is just the contrast between uh, this one brand uh, we've been working with a brand called Therapy since uh, like end of 2019. So um, two years now. And I did the first video, like I was creating those at the start. And I was using heaps of text. It was really small in the corner. And, and those at the time, those videos did convert. And it's just really interesting to see that transition to, you know, what we would be doing for them now and how different that is, even in two years. So probably going back to one of your earlier questions, but that stands out to me probably because I was a part of that, that start when, when I shot it. So, What about in terms of uh, text that you use in your video? Uh, how do you guys think about the text? What's your process to kind of figure out what's going to kind of cut through? Mm. This is an interesting question because right now the guys are, are diving into these copywriting workshops and, and taking quite an in-depth look at it because uh, it's probably more important than, than most people give credit. Uh, and, you know, there's there's little techniques and things you can use like tricolon, which is rule of threes. So uh, bigger, better, stronger, or, you know, that's just a probably quite a bad example. But um, for backblade, you know, for your back, for your bod and for your boys, i.e. downstairs, and, you know, just things that they're a lot more memorable in three, uh, the BBBs, alliteration. So you've got uh, B at the start of each word, again, more memorable. It still portrays the brand. So there's ways to uh, sort of make things more engaging and simplify text that way. But to, to your question, it's probably more around what are we trying to put in there? And the reality is 
you want to capture attention. You want people to understand your product and then you want them to take action, right? You know, build trust. So some social proof too, and then take action, go to the website, um, you know, and they can get further informed there. Um, the idea is to influence them to make a purchase. That's that's the, the main concept. So the text really needs to feel inclusive. It needs to make them feel good. Even if they don't buy, they leave it feeling good, you know, leave your brand feeling good. Um, and, you know, ideally it makes them feel like they're going to miss out if they don't buy. So, uh, you know, if I was to use a simple example of instead of saying, you know, there's been 10,000 of these sold this year, join a community of 10,000 women wearing so-and-so. It just feels more inclusive and it feels, you know, you're building a community at the same time. Love it. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's sometimes it's underlooked as well. Um, you know, the angle and the copy is so important. It's so easy to sometimes put together this slick video uh, and forget some of those really core cool principles. Mm. Um, I think that's really cool that your team's focusing on copy. And there's so many areas of copy as well, like like the direct oh, response is this whole other world. Yeah. Um, and, and what about in terms of metrics? Like there's obviously, um, you know, watch time and click-through rate and some of the core things that are that probably the standout ones are those the main one that you're looking at um you do you look at like attention your first three seconds uh watch time is, is there anything else metrics wise that you feel like is really important or do you really try to drill down on just a couple of the core metrics yeah the probably the the ones you've mentioned the you know in in order the three second uh watch percentage so the attention at the start um in other words how many people who've watched the video have watched at least three seconds, then average watch time to inform, you know, when people are dropping off, why they're dropping off, how can you keep them engaged throughout? How can you speed things up and, and make it better? Um, I should mention the three second watch time uh, is in relation to the hook. So if that's, if your account benchmark is 20%, uh, on average 20% of people watch at least three seconds, and then your new video ad, uh, is hitting 10%, it's probably clear that the angle needs to improve or the hook in, in some respect needs to improve. So attention, the watch time, uh, you've got the click-through rate, obviously, so getting people off. Um, and that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with cost per click um, as well. And then ultimately, the ROAS or the outcome that you're getting, and, and that's a bit harder to track these days, but um, even target CPA, uh, cost per purchase, in other words, um, yeah, they're all the main things we'd be looking at, but more than that, looking at them against the, the account average. So how our creatives are under or overperforming so that that can then inform how we re-edit them or how we shoot the next stuff. Cool. And is there anything that you see in terms of trends of what's not working or things to avoid as well? That's a good question. I don't get asked that one often. <laughs> Evan's question. Oh, is it overcomplicating? Uh, taking too long. Yeah, overcomplicating and, and adding more than you need. Uh, we find that 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 happens um, when you're you know when you try when you're paying too close attention probably, and going too feature focused. You know when you're talking about this product has this feature is made from this material. It's it um, it's so and so so and so. Um, you're not really explaining how it's going to make their life better. You're just talking about the product. So. Um, maybe focusing a little bit more on the benefit side and improving someone's life um, would be a better angle to go than and just feature, feature, feature. Um, and the last one, I had another one, but it's escaped me. I suppose as well, just being intentional with your shooting too. So um, like I mentioned before, if, if a shaver is waterproof, show it drop in water. 
um, mm. because it makes more sense. It's in context. In context, I'd be showing models in context with your products, which sounds really obvious, but a lot of people don't realize it. So, I like it. Cool. Hey, uh, Evan, I might throw to you to ask a couple of questions before we get into the rapid fire questions. If there's anything that you're burning to ask. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's hours worth of questions I could ask Jai, considering that our, our roles are quite similar these days. Um, Jai, first of all, I just wanted to echo what you said before regarding the the benefits and features. So something that we try to do is always think, okay, what's what's the feature of Sylvie? It's a, it's a silk pillowcase. So what? It helps you sleep better at night. So what gets rid of your acne? So, so mm -hmm. the process we always try to question and then question the second degree and the third degree benefits in order to make it a lot more relatable to the consumer. Uh, so that's one thing I wanted to mention. The other, yeah, I love that. yeah, the other, the other thing was to uh, to echo what you said about stripping the videos back. We always find with our editing team that we'll create something, we'll have a lot more in there that than we need and then slowly we'll strip it back to the basics and the fundamentals and ultimately that's what converts because otherwise you know the, there's only so much real estate on the screen mm. you don't want to make things over complicated yeah one that that's a really common mistake now that i think about it is taking too long to get and i think we actually uh, there might have been an element of this max when we did some stuff early days for sylvie where you know you've got the hook obviously and then you got a few seconds to really start to educate people on your product and you can get caught up in in the hook being this this great shot and then saying introducing the therapy weighted blanket and then the next shot it's a weighted blanket that you know and you just you've essentially said the same thing for for 10 seconds you know so condensing that down and getting to the important messaging sooner is, is a you know a thing that people um often get wrong i suppose one of the hardest things to do when you're marketing a brand that's something that you're so close to is forgetting that someone else doesn't know really much about it. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes, I mean, A, they're not curious about it necessarily yet, and B, they don't know anything about it. Um, and so you can skip over, it's like introducing Sylvie, but they don't even know what it necessarily is. And then you can skip over potentially the most important elements, Sometimes it's really good to have people that are not close to the brand to go, what did this miss? Or, hey, what would you, you know, would you buy this? Why not? What did it miss? What was the most important to you? How do you, like someone that is just not as close? Because when you're close to it and you've been touching the product every day and you've been thinking about it too much, mm -hmm. then you just need that uh, distance sometimes. Um, and, you know, from, and like you said earlier, Jai, when you're shopping, just feel what you're drawn to as a consumer as well it really helps you think through how you're making decisions in a kind of clearer way yeah ask ask your mom or ultimately ask the target audience if you can so it's always so good we actually sorry to cut you off Evan. we actually did that for uh the brand that, that we uh recently launched i know we haven't spoke about this but um myself being a partner in this brand we essentially created this landing page and it was just on Notion, which is a project management tool. It wasn't even a proper landing page. We had a type form in there for a questionnaire. We just incentivized people um, before we launched to say, um, hey, here's a, here's a you know, discount or offer if you give us some feedback because we want to know what you think. And as a result of that, we, we found that one of the designs or the SKUs was 70% more popular than the rest. We found that uh, also 70% of people preferred a bigger size over a smaller size. Um, and ultimately we, we ordered stock 
based on that. So we were so much better informed. And now, uh, since uh, we've been live, it's actually stacked up almost exactly what we anticipated. So um, asking people awesome. is just so important. That's really cool. Yeah, very cool indeed. Jai, I'd love to pick your brain about the concept of innovation versus invention. In e-commerce, it's all about speed and getting your ads out there and testing them and putting your content out there before other brands can do so. So one thing I'd like to ask you is how do you balance coming up with new ideas from your team versus doing the research and taking something that already exists and putting your flair on it? Is there some sort of percentage? Do you sway one way or the other? And also take into account what the, what the brand is looking for as well because they, they definitely have ideas. So, mm. uh, yeah, I don't know if there's a, there's a number, but you do need to – also depends how innovative the brand is and if they're really driving you know, a whole new category or, or whatever, whatever it is. In my mind, you need to be data-focused, so, so have data. So if there is something that's worked for someone else or for yourself, play it safe in some respect and get more of that, then use a portion to innovate and, and come up with, uh, or invent in, in, a, in a sense, come up with um, just a wild idea. So typically we, we would have um, maybe 70, 80% more proven or, or more in line with, with what we, we really think will work. And then something that's just pretty out there uh, in most cases, maybe two things. So that's kind of how we play it and, and obviously, for a brand paying us, you know, we want to get them returned. So it's a little bit safer doing it that way, but um, there's definitely elements of both. Have you ever had times where you've disagreed with a brand where you think the best pathway for them is UJC, whereas they want a lifestyle video? How have you approached that situation? And ultimately, well, I think it would be a case by case basis, but does conversion trump branding or does mm -hmm. branding trump conversion in those situations? Mm -hmm. It's funny I ask that because it's been front of mind this week with with uh, someone we're working with. But previously, yeah, there's always learnings coming out of it, and there's always things we're like, okay, we can do this better the next time. We can do that better. Uh, we need to take more control here. We need to, you know, let go of control here. <laughs> yeah, I, I do feel that. Uh, it, I mean, you don't want to go in and say we know better than you because it's you know it's not all the case. They know their brand better than us, probably. So. Um, taking principles that we know, incorporating that and, you know, having that brand in there as well. So it is a collaboration for sure. And there's definitely been times we've learned the hard way that we need to put our foot down uh, a bit more. And, um, you know, it, it, it's case by case at the end of the day and you learn a lot from the, the times that don't quite go right. So, Yeah, absolutely. We spoke earlier about UGC and referenced it. And I'd just like to circle back there for a moment. So it is something that's really saturated Online these days, people have far less trust in UGC than they used to because you see it everywhere. So my question is, how can you differentiate your UGC from everyone else's and stand out from the crowd and build that trust when ultimately it's not as trustworthy as it used to be? Mm. Probably comes down to product. And ideally, you have a product that is a little bit different to others. You've you know, improved it in some way. Um, if not, I'd, I'd be saying brand and brand values. What does your brand stand for? Incorporating those elements, you know, um, love that it was it was cruelty free or, or eco friendly materials or the packaging. You know, maybe focusing, dialing in a little bit more on those elements of it, uh, especially if you're doing like an unboxing video or something like that. Um, and then I, I still feel uh, the people that you use as well. I mean, we use a lot of very just real people. 
I know brands who use uh, big public uh, personalities and people on Love Island and things like that. And I've always had a natural hesitation towards that because, um, you know, how many brands are they the face of in, in a lot of senses? So if you are um, going with influencers, find people that really reflect your brand and, and truly do, not just doing it for the sake of um, making some cash. And um, if you're doing it yourself, go real people. And, you know, reality is UGC is everywhere. It is hard to be different and stand out. So in that sense, you know, maybe getting creative with how you film it, maybe some funner transitions and more engaging way to do it. Max, do you have any thoughts on UGC based on what you've tried with Sylvie over the last few months? I agree with um, Jai. I think um, if you have real customers that are really resonant to the brand, you know, actually there was one brand that we followed. It's like they're a makeup brand and they're not massive um, called Bamboo Earth. And they had like a 10 minute ad of one of their customers just talking about the product. And that was their best performing ad for like three months. Um, and we, we saw some well. similar things. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes uh, authenticity is really important, but then there's also just, um, I mean, another thing with UGC that's really important is uh, to Jai's point earlier as well, there's so many different angles and UGC is another way to express different ang angles, right? Sylvie could be perceived expensive um, if you're comparing it to a cotton pillowcase, but if you're comparing it to a $300 skincare routine and if it's going to save on your skincare routine, then it could be like considered quite cost-effective. So your UGC, it's not just like, hey, I got this product and I loved it. It's like, hey, money angle. Hey, these were my concerns, right? And if you've got authentic customers, they're going to naturally hit those um, FAQs because they're genuinely talking about, I, well, I saw it on Instagram and I thought it was a scam. And then I got it. And then my friend got it and had great results. Okay, now we're getting a real story that people really can relate to. And so it's more than just UGC. It's about getting the real FAQs answered. Um, and if that's done well, then that cuts through. Yeah, we had one uh, with a, it was a vitamin or supplement related, helping them sleep better. And the lady started really slow. Hi, I'm so-and-so from so-and-so. And then she, at one point, she said, my um, partner's snoring doesn't affect me anymore. And that was the thing. They put text up above and that was the hook. And, and whilst it feels like quite a small um, you know, segment of the market, that's what crushed it. So yeah, interesting because it's relatable. Yeah, and it also comes down to, to creative testing um, using mm. as many angles as possible. So Jai, I wanted to quickly ask you before we jump into the rapid fire questions at the end, what is your approach to creative testing or split testing? Is it something that you plan before you go out and shoot? Is it something that you do after creating the footage and analyzing it? Mm. Um, where does it work into your workflow? Yeah, so um, briefly, we have uh, like a guidelining process. We call it guidelining, brainstorming, mood boarding, whatever you want to call it. And that's where a lot of the ideation happens. We have multiple people in on that. It's not just one person saying, yep, we should do this, this, and this. Um, and ideally that's informed by data uh, and, and research as well. And then we're, after we've ex executed, usually month one is with a brand is, is super insightful because you start to see what's working and what's not working and, you know, what really resonates. So the catch-up call is really essential. Um, and then being in ad accounts and analyzing that data, having the brand inform us, let us know what's working, what's not, because we're not running the ads. Uh, you know, they have their own media buying team or agency. So the more informed we can be, the better. And that tends to happen over a long time as well. It's not just an overnight thing. And, you know, our goal always is to work with brands long-term and really understand their product, their brand, their market. So that's kind of how we work. 
Yeah, I did notice on your on your brand booster website that you had a button that said something along the lines of, let's see if we're compatible. So mm. clearly you're looking for those brands who have that product market fit already. If if you were to have a brand come to you who you didn't think you could scale, would you work with them? Great question. Also made the wrong decisions in the past, but uh, for the most part, no, we sort of have a criteria and, you know, and, and if one, we don't have capacity or if they just don't, you know, if they're flogging products without wanting to build a brand and that sort of thing, you know, there's kind of a line that, that we would draw in the sand and, and I'm happy to be transparent because at the end of the day, you know, that's what um, allows us to do great work is to pay attention to the right brand. So. Yep, definitely can, can definitely respect that as well. Um, cool. So Jai, there was one more thing I wanted to talk about today, but I don't think we'll have time. And it was the fact that you previously worked as a, you were self-employed as an Instagram community builder and built up a network of some 500,000 followers. So I think that's going to be my excuse to get you on for another episode <laughs> in a couple of months. Uh, but Sounds good. Max, I'll throw to you if you want to wrap this up with the rapid fire questions. And oh, Yeah, uh, let's do some rapid fire. Cool. Um, let's see. Favorite piece of software they're currently using? Uh, on the creative side, got to say the Adobe Suite because that's what we, we use day in, day out. We're exploring uh, another software called Frame.io. I don't know if you're familiar, but essentially you can um, upload a, a video and you can pause on frames and draw on screen and leave oh, comments cool. and a really great interactive feedback uh, internally, but also when we deliver to clients they can give feedback to us in a more effective way. So we're exploring that. But we that were actually, really cool. we were testing that out for a while. I think, I think, think? I think it's great. But the, the hurdle that we found was the sign up process. So in order for clients to use it, they would have to sign up. Uh, okay. Yeah. And, and some clients would just go revert to the traditional method of feedback of having a look at the video and then writing Living an email yeah. or whatever yeah. it might mm -hmm. be. Uh, but d definitely there is scope for that to make things more efficient. What about... Uh, any uh, efficiency hack that you've put into the business to make it run smoother lately? I've got heaps for myself, uh, but a huge one for the business uh, is understanding what, uh, what goes into a project and each part of that and understanding what our costs are, what the time involvement is. Most of the time it's labor intensive for most of them. So, um, you know, if it's clear that editing is taking up way more time than everything else, how can we introduce tools or improve the editing flow? So, using that to inform us is, is probably the biggest hack, to be honest, and, and then just having uh, quite robust content checking systems. Cool. Uh, what about uh, current favorite must listen podcasts? Oh, I feel like I have to say Megaminds. 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 Uh, other than that, what else? there's heaps of, heaps of econ ones I'm listening to. Uh, off the top of my head, Ecom Fuel, 2X e-commerce, uh, e-commerce influence are, are a few that come to mind. Cool. I love it. Um, I like this question. Maybe we'll end with this one. Um, what is one piece of advice that you'd give to yourself, you know, if you were starting Brand Booster all over again? Starting again two years ago or now? So let's say it's now like, and you're, it doesn't exist. You have all the knowledge and you're starting that whole journey again. What, what would you I'd, the advice? I'd say get? move fast, <laughs> uh, be well-informed. I mean, obviously a lot of mistakes you'd be able to bypass. Um, but I would say really understanding ways that you can build that brand and reach people. You know, we've had a lot of success with 
cold outreach on Instagram and Facebook groups and things like that. So um, if I was starting the, the business as a whole again, I'd really be looking at building personal brand and, and those sort of relationships, networking. Awesome. I love it. Uh, and to wrap up, uh, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to reach out? Um, I'm over on Instagram at jai.journeys, J-A-I.journeys. And uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, all the rest, Jai Howitt, I believe, on those ones, H-O-W-I-T-T. And Brand Booster yeah. uh, without the E, so Brand Booster everywhere. <laughs> thank you very much for coming on. That was an awesome episode. Thanks, guys. Speak soon. Jai, thank you so much. Really appreciate it, mate. And we'll, uh, we'll chat soon for sure. Yeah. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Easy. Thanks for tuning into the Mega Minds podcast. To stay up to date with the latest e-commerce trends, scaling hacks, and marketing techniques, join us on our Facebook community, Mega Minds. If you're looking to scale your own e-commerce business, we at Megaphone would love to help. Get in touch for a free strategy session.